You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Good morning. All right. Happy early New Year. It's good to be with you all. I can tell you that uh, I'm excited about 2018. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that as we uh, go through the morning together. But first, I have a challenge for you and for me. Think of a time where you were exhausted, uh, wiped out, if you will. And then think of a time when you got to the other side of that. You got to the other side and you were feeling recovered or restored. What does, what does restoration, what does it look like? Well, it looks like this. A week ago, on Christmas Eve, I had the flu, and I was wiped out. And it feels good. I mean, it feels great to feel good. I've got a newfound empathy for people who struggle with health and or chronic pain. So, praise God, it feels good uh, to be back. And I was really uh, was devastated that... Miss Christmas Eve here, but I understand it was awesome, so praise God. But seriously, though, I was, uh, I was thinking of a time when I was a, a second lieutenant in the 9th Infantry Division, Fort Lewis, Washington. And uh, my team, that's enough of that, okay, thanks. <laughs> I was a medic, don't let that fool you. So, uh, <laughs> uh my team got selected, got the honor, the privilege of going through the mission of survival training, escape and evasion training. Oh, boy. And so uh, I was in the midst of that training, and uh, I was wiped out. And I was thinking, I am never going to get through this. I am never going to get through this. In fact, one night, after lots of time with no sleep, I was on patrol with other guys, and it was dark, and, and I was disoriented, and we stopped for a second or a minute, and I fell asleep standing up. Have you ever done that? I mean, it's like, and you're down. And it's like, what just happened? Well, it can happen. I wouldn't wish it on you. But I was, uh, I was wiped out, and then out of nowhere comes this trainer. They wear these white bands on their head. Comes up and says, Mason, that experience is going to make you live. And after a few days in R&R, you're going to be like new. And I head spun, and I'm like, what? Who are you, and where did you come from? And it was like, I looked over at my buddy, and he was like, what did he just say? And he said, we're going to recover, and we're going to be like new. And I said, I think so. And he was gone. And I was like, okay, you know, this is, this is quite an experience. But I'll tell you what, the trainer, the teacher was right. It was after that experience, again, more excitement than, than anybody would need, uh, that experience, uh, we recovered. After some time away, uh, we were like new, and we were better for it, paradoxically, and we were renewed and had new wisdom and new insight. So I want to ask you, can you raise your hand if you've been through survival training? Just kidding, although I think a few of you probably have. Raise your hand, though, if you've, uh, if you've been in experience, I call a head-turner, a head-snapper, 
where somebody pops in, says something bizarre, unique, and they're kind of gone. Have you ever had that happen? Yeah, a few of you. Happens at Panera every now and then. Uh, the, uh, thank you. Uh, the, uh, had to get that in. Um, but, I mean, it's, uh, it's unique, you know, when you have these, these things come upon you and then it's gone. Well, I believe, and many of us believe, that God sends voices and people into our lives to lead us to new places, to restored places. And I believe that in the midst of all that, we still can wrestle, and it's okay to wrestle with questions. Like, is it possible that the means by which, by which God intends to restore the world are often hard to believe? Hard to believe. Are they really bold and audacious? Or that it's sometimes even hard to hear? It's hard to hear given our state of mind or our predispositions. Now let's get a little more personal. How about this question? Would you believe it if God said, I have a crazy mission for you, Jim, for you, Bob, Alice, Sue, Jim, Dennis, Jerry, Vicki, Bruce, I have a crazy mission for you, or what about if you heard, if you heard that God wanted you, you, Freddie, you, Bill, to be an agent, to be an agent of restoration in the lives of fill-in-the-blank. What would you be thinking? Well, it reminds me of a story of a teacher, one who trained people really deeply. And where he lived in Israel and Palestine, he walked around a lot, he prayed a lot, he talked to people in everyday life. And he again lived in this really small town, way out in the countryside, and they said nothing good comes from there. And this teacher, this trainer, he was about 30 when he began his ministry. Because he had been waiting, he had been waiting to be ready. Ready for the mission that God has given him. He worked with his hands, and he didn't have a lot of formal education. He really knew his Bible. It was the Hebrew Scriptures. He loved his mom and dad, loved his family, his friends. He loved the world, really everyone. This teacher was wise. He cared for people. He spoke the truth and was full of the Spirit. He was so full of the Spirit that people were drawn to him, and the Spirit oozed out of him, and people wanted to know him. So this teacher... This teacher we know is Jesus. He had been recently baptized in the water and in the spirit by his cousin John. Now I ask you to put yourself in the story. Put yourself in the story where you're there. This guy that you've known in your church, your synagogue, you've known him all his life. And he stands up to read the scripture. A scripture from Isaiah. So let's read together. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll 
and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news, good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All the eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture, the scripture you've just heard, has been fulfilled this very day. Wow, what just happened here? Yeah, did he say that Jesus, did he say he was the one? Out of all the book of Isaiah that he could have read from, and it's the fifth largest book in the Old Testament, he chose those very words. And that's a bold statement for a carpenter's son, isn't it? And initially the people were amazed, and they liked what he said. You know, I'm sure they were proud of him. But Jesus had to go on to say what the truth of the mission was. And the mission was for everyone and not just the Hebrew people. In fact, it was for the outsider, who's who he had come for, for the poor and the marginalized. So the people then, they changed their mind, and they were filled with rage, and they even wanted to throw him off a cliff. I mean, that quickly, we human beings can be that fickle, can't we? We can change our minds. You see, they wanted Jesus for themselves, not for those other people. Now, I love this story for, his, for the hope that I find in it. And also, paradoxically, again, the intrigue is that, you know, it's a troubling story, too. Jesus begins his mission in earnest, the New Testament, here. But there is no stopping this Jesus. Not persecution, not temptation, not being wounded, not being killed. Nothing can stop Jesus from his mission of restoration, restoring us and the world. So today we wrap up this series. It's been a great series uh, here, amongst, uh, here among us where we've heard from the God that comes to us, the God that comforts and redeems and builds. And today we hear from a God who restores a God who restores. You know, God wants, wants us to be completely restored. Do we really believe he can do it? God wants everyone, all of creation, to be completely restored. Do we want the same thing? God wants us to be people who restore. Are we excited? Are we excited to participate or looking for reasons not to. The challenge is worth considering. Now, what do you think of when, the, when you think of the word restore? Just go ahead and holler it out. When you think of the word restore, what do you think about? Make new. Others? Get stronger. Thank you. Rested? Start over? Okay. Thank you. Yeah, I think about restoration in terms of cars, too. Restore, that's something I heard a lot, hear a lot. Well, recently we had our kitchen restored. Our house is 40-something years old, and we had our kitchen restored. 
And it's amazing to see the transformation. But what was more amazing for me was to watch the workers, and I think we have a, a picture of those guys. Oh, yeah, they're back there, not there. Uh, <laughs> these guys were amazing. That's a dad and three sons. They're Romanian Christians. Um, and the passion that they had for restoration was unbelievable. It's, the kitchen now shines and sparkles, and it's going to be good for people for generations to come. Again, but what struck me most was their passion, their passion to restore gifted people. God is in the business of restoring. When we began this series, Pastor Bob started us off and told us about how God had been restoring the Hebrew people 800 years before Jesus because they were in devastation and despair because of the consequences of their sin. Now, these people had neglected God and they had worshipped idols. Um, they just had been spiritually far from God. And they really were oppressing the poor, something God hates. But God never stopped loving them, even in exile. They were conquered by their enemies and taken into a foreign land. But God had created a covenant relationship with them, the one people that he chose and he would be faithful even through the worst of times. And it was in Babylon, so again, 100 miles away from Palestine, Israel, away from their homeland, that God spoke to them through the prophet Isaiah. He had tried to warn them, Isaiah was speaking for God earlier, but the people, they wouldn't listen. Eventually, though, they repented. And by repent, we know that it means we turn back to God. We seek God genuinely. So God spoke fresh words for his people through Isaiah. So let's read them together. They're going to sound familiar. Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Well, this passage it's such a beautiful statement of God's intent to restore his people. And eventually then we know it's in the coming of Christ the restoration comes. But this verse 1, let's break this down for a minute. Verse 1 really speaks first about the messenger, a messenger of, of good news that comes. It reminds me of something like, and some of you have been through this, seasoned folks, like a ticker tape parade where maybe when World War II was ended and how the good news came upon the nation. Our comfort for the brokenhearted. Think about the advances in medicine, how we're able to repair our hearts and the emotional care that comes with that and how God heals us, our hearts, in so many ways. And then of people walking out of bondage, out of sin of all kind. It could be relationships. It could be literal prison. It could be all kinds of toxic places, addictions. That healing and freedom is coming. 
from these words of Isaiah. He sends us into a wonderful picture of protection and healing. And you can imagine a time in your life, I know I can in mine, a time of devastation and despair. And in Isaiah's time, when they were in that place, when they were grieving, they would rip their clothes, put uh, um, ashes on their forehead, and they wouldn't eat for days. But God is telling them in this scripture that we have blessing and festive praise coming. What else? Crown of beauty, flowers for your head. It's as if as he's pulling people into a, into a beautiful wedding reception and says, this is what I have coming for you. It's as if he's going to put a, a bright colored coat on us and, and, and we're going to dance and things are going to be restored and new. I want you to come with me into this place. And the righteous, not the perfect, but the righteous, those who repent, again, who seek God, they're the ones who are going to be blessed and they're going to glorify God. And God's going to again use them. He's about to restore the Hebrew people to their homeland to make them whole again. And he orchestrates this release back to Jerusalem. And it amazes me how he does that through the sweep of history with kings. And it's a topic for another day. But it helped me really believe that God works in this world. But mostly he gives his people hope and a future. So just like then... God is still restoring. Now, there are times when it may not feel like it. You and I know that. But God is with us, and God is for us. Isaiah announced it. Jesus announced it and lived it. It's what God does. God creates and restores and makes things like new. I've told this story before, and I'll do it quickly, that God restored me about 25 years ago and continues to do that. God continues to restore us. I was in a place of deep despair. The pain was on the inside. We were a young family here in Springfield, but the pain was very real, and the suffering was very real. And, and I was open to a new way of believing and a new life. And the Spirit came, and healing began, and then God began to use me, people like me, to restore others, to the point now where... You know, I'm privileged to serve uh, this congregation and lead in the restoring ministries of, of caring ministries. I cannot believe how God has worked in my life. I've told Bob many times, sometimes I feel like I'm in a surreal dream here. Singing, you know, a kid who didn't grow up in the church, I'm singing these hymns. I'm feeling like, I mean, it's like it's too good to be true. It's unbelievable. And so it's, uh, for me, I just, I just share that. Because these two words have been my companions ever since, even through tough times, because we know there's still tough times. Trust and assurance. Trust and assurance. Those are our companions in the faith life. Now, not long ago, I connected, reconnected with a childhood friend from the neighborhood, Brad Borkstad. The Borkstead boys, there were three of them. They lived catty corner from us in the neighborhood. But mostly I was thinking about his dad, Coach Borkstead. He was my first coach, and I'll show you. He's the guy in the middle, right there, a giant of a man. A giant of a man. But when I look back, I can see. I now have eyes to see 
He was a giant of a man for what he did for us as kids. He taught us character and accountability. He had a booming laugh and a smile, and yeah, he could bring it too. He could whip us into shape. But I think about what this, this man, he was an everyday prophet on our neighborhood. He was a teacher. He was a principal. He was a football coach. He was a leader in his church. In fact, he, he was one of the founding members of a, I grew up in a Catholic neighborhood in St. Louis, and they began a new Protestant church in our neighborhood. And Coach Borkstead, he was the man. And when I think about him, again, I think about all he brought to us as kids. Early in life, and it really mattered. Again, he created character through sports, and I still hear his voice. Now, I was about eight or nine, and I had talent, but I lacked confidence, and I was afraid. And so one Saturday, we were playing a really good team, and we knew they were really good. And I wanted out of the lineup, just saying. So what did I do? I faked an injury. Yeah. Hey, get me out of the lineup. <laughs> I faked an injury, and I came off the field. And the coach waited a few plays, and he said, Mason, come here. And again, he's a huge, he played at Wash U football, Wash U University in St. Louis. And he leaned over to me, this giant of a man, and looked at me in the eyes, and he said, Jimmy, I don't really think you're hurt. He said, you okay? He said, you can do this. We need you. I believe in this team. And we can do it. I can remember it like it was yesterday at St. Ferdinand Park. I looked at him. He said, let's go, huh? Yeah, let's go. So I remember I went back in. And we lost. <laughs> but we didn't lose in what really mattered. And later on, we won a state championship under his coaching. But it was a seminal moment in a kid's life, and he restored me. He restored me into what I could believe in. And he still inspires me. At the Global Leadership Conference this past year, I thought of him when I saw these words from Sam. He's a pastor in Africa. Give people a new belief about who they are, what they have, and what they can do. What we believe is what we become. You see, prophets speak words of restoration, and they also give us visions of how to get there, of what we can do with God as God is creating. God gives us the mission to restore and gives us visions. I love these words from C.S. Lewis. We, you, we are never too old to set another goal or a dream. Never too old. Well, several years ago, Principal Laura Pittman, we've got a partnership there for seven or eight years, she planted a seed that aligned with a dream that I've had for a while. And when we were praying this morning, I was thinking of Pastor Bob when he was saying, what do you need help with? And what are you waiting on in those prayers? Well, I have had this dream for a while, and it's time to act. I've watered it and uh, prayed about it, but it's time to act. And so with Principal Laura... 
and myself and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, we're going to have a sports camp. A sports camp for third through sixth graders at Pittman School, maybe here on campus too, probably in one venue, maybe at Glendale too. We're, we're also partnering with the Springfield Public Schools. And what we're going to do, it's more than a sports camp. Sports is just a vehicle. It's what we do. It's a faith camp. We're going to teach kids about Christ. We're going to build character. We're going to maintain the relationships. And I am really excited about the possibilities. Some of you are already aware about this. If you've either received a note, I've talked to you about it. We've been working the community. But it's time to act. And I'm, yeah, thank you. And I'm very excited about the possibilities. And so if you're interested in helping out, because it's, it's, again, for third through sixth graders, but it's for everybody. All generations are going to be involved. We're an all-generations church. There's places for people to pray and bring snacks and help get kids from place to place. And to coach. We'll need coaches. And, and teenagers will coach grade school. And uh, college kids will fill in or pour into uh, high school kids. And then seasoned people will pour into others. But it's everybody. All hands on deck. And we're going for it. A sports camp. It's the first one in Springfield. But it's been on my heart for a long time, and so I hope you'll join me. If you're interested, talk with me. You'll be hearing more about it. Well, as we wrap up today, I want to ask you. For me, this is the, type of, this is the time of year when I tend to be more reflective. I, I kind of think about, kind of like we were praying, what's happened in the past year or in years past? And where am I going? Where am I going? And then do I still hear voices? Do you still hear voices? Because it's at pivotal points in my life, there's been a voice there for me. Oftentimes with flesh on, sometimes just a voice. And I thank God for that. And so the question is, now are we a voice for somebody else? Whether it's a kid, another adult. David Freeman's preaching today too. And one of the things he is seeking is mentors. Mentors. Well, when I think about where I'm going, these are the questions I have. Would you put them up again? Would you believe it if God said, I have a crazy mission for you too, whoever that is? What's the crazy mission? Is it to be a mentor? Is it to be in a sports camp? What is it for you? What about if you heard that God wanted you to be an agent of restoration in the lives of? That's our mission. These are the questions. Because Isaiah speaks, and Jesus speaks, and the Spirit speaks. We thank God for the long-awaited Jesus. Let's pray together. Holy and gracious God, you are never, ever done with us. Continue to speak. We will listen. We will do lots of listening. We thank you that you are alive and working and that you seek to restore this community and this world. And we're blessed as a church to serve you, Lord, to glorify you, to be your people. Lead us. Show us the way. We will be your obedient people. 
It's in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit we pray. Amen.